Warren. This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour open-line talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. To express your viewpoint, please call 804-754-1988. That's 804-754-1988. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. It was the headline in the Washington Times. Fathers disappear from households across America. Wow. The article went on to say the decline has hit disproportionately in the South, which considers itself a bastion of traditional values. According to the CDC, Department of Justice, and Department of Homeland Security, and the Census Bureau, the 30% of America's children who live apart from their fathers account for, and I want you to listen very carefully to this, 63% of teen suicides. These are the 30% of America's children who live apart from their fathers. 63% of teen suicides, 70% of juvenile incarcerations, 71% of high school dropouts, 75% of children in drug abuse centers, 86% of rapists, 85% of youths in prison, 85% of children with behavioral disorders, 90% of homeless and runaway children, 90% of children living in poverty, and 100% of gang members. And in the black community, 85% of all children in poverty do not live in a home with their father, and 72% are born out of wedlock. And among the children of divorce, half have never visited their father's home, and in a typical year, 40% of them don't see their father. So here's my question for you today. If fathers are the future of America, what is the future of America? If fathers are the future of America, what is the future of America? Now, don't take this too lightly, because in the reality Every one of us present on the planet has had a sperm donor, sometimes referred to as a father. But today on Viewpoint, we're looking way beyond that, because that was never God's ultimate intention for fathering. In fact, God's ultimate intention for fathering was so great that he warned through the prophet Malachi in the last chapter of the book of Malachi the last chapter of the Old Testament, he warned that before the great and terrible day of the Lord, that is the second coming of Christ, he would raise up the voice of Elijah the prophet to call the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers. Maybe that's what we're doing here today on Viewpoint, so I'm glad that you've joined us. It's conversation as always with ever-increasing conviction, talk that transforms. And uh, there's no question about it. We're in uh, deep, deep trouble here in our country with regard to fathering. And amid such devastation and discouraging horror as those statistics reveal, is there any hope? And if so, where does that hope lie? Is there a legacy that can be recovered that will last? That's what we want to talk about here today on Viewpoint. Obviously, we're talking to dads. We're talking to fathers. We're talking to grandfathers. 
And ladies, you can, well, eavesdrop on our conversation. Eavesdrop on our conversation because I know, ladies, that you are deeply, deeply concerned about this subject. And so I welcome you again to Viewpoint. Conversation as always with ever-increasing conviction talk that uh, transforms. The hearts of the fathers have to turn. To turn means to profoundly change direction. And such change must not be moderate, but you could say momentous. And the heart change will then produce hope. So what we're looking at is heart change, not just positional change, but heart change. And first, as men, we have to recover the fullest meaning of the fatherhood of God before we can understand the fatherhood of man. We need to understand the fatherhood of God and its implications for our own households. Second, we men, we must truly come to understand in functional, uh, operational terms for our lives what it means to be sons of God. Third, we men have to then begin to intentionally live our lives, shall we say, prophetically, as living examples of the word, the word of the Lord in our daily discussions, in our lives, and in this way, imparting to our sons and daughters genuine godly destiny. And once, once we, as dads, as fathers, as grandfathers, catch this vision for this kind of what you might call prophetic fatherhood, life will never again be the same. It won't be the same in your family. It won't be the same in your extended family, and it won't be the same in our country or even the world. So a new joy and a sense of purpose will transform the seemingly mundane into genuine ministry with a momentous implication for you and your family. But here's the problem. Time is very, very short. And what we do, we've got to do quickly. Our hearts have to change. Our homes will change then. And there will be hope that will emerge from the seeming hopeless darkness that is enveloping us. So uh, that's where we're heading here today on Viewpoint. Uh, As you can see, Viewpoint does determine destiny. Our viewpoint concerning this subject is determining destiny, the destiny of our country and the destiny of our children and our grandchildren. So this is something I want you to know that is very near and dear to my own heart. We have three daughters, uh, and we have 10 grandchildren, one great-grandchild. And if there is anything that is on the forefront of our hearts, it is that our children and our grandchildren uh, follow in the ways of the Lord and display that in a, shall we say, a prophetic way, because all of our lives are to be prophetic. If we're followers of Jesus Christ, our lives, are very the very essence of our lives, including dads, is to be prophetic. In other words, set the stage to declare in a living way God's plan for the future. So, fathers are the future. Fathers are the future. But if fathers are the future, what is the future of America? That's the question before us here on the program today. So, 
We're going to proceed on and take a look at uh, the power of fatherhood. We're going to see how fathers really make a difference. But we're told that fathers increasingly don't make a difference. In fact, for the past 40, 50 years, there has been a trajectory in our country and uh, perhaps even throughout the Western world of diminishing men, of diminishing fathers, of diminishing manhood, making it virtually worthless and mocking it. And the latest comes with an emoji that has come out uh, now seeking to depict men as pregnant. Now, what does this mean? This means that men are ultimately being made women. This is the ultimate demeaning of men. Now, that's not to say that women are to be demeaned. It's the demeaning of manhood and fatherhood. We'll be right back. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. Billy Graham said that a good father is one of the most unsung, unpraised, unnoticed, and yet one of the most valuable assets in our society. He's absolutely right. Oftentimes, fatherhood goes unnoticed, unsung. But a true father, not just one who has donated his sperm uh, to produce a child, but a true father, from God's perspective, is an extremely important person. He's a prophetic person because he understands that his life, how he conducts his life, and how he conducts it with regard to his wife and his children, is actually making a statement for the future and for the kingdom of God. It is as if his very life is prophetic. So, The question that I would ask is, if that be true, guys, what is your prophetic legacy? There is an assault on your legacy. There's no question about that. We know that there is an unbelievable assault against men, against fatherhood, against uh, grandfatherhood, against masculinity. It is all under assault to feminize the entire world. This is the trajectory of spiritual history, and that is to destroy the fatherhood of God by destroying fathers on the planet and to raise up the worship of the feminine as all pagan religions do, as opposed to the worship of Father God. So men, you and I, are either going to cooperate with the spirit of the world and Satan's intention to demean men and our prophetic purpose on this planet, or we're going to cooperate with God and and do his will. One way or the other, we can't have it both ways. And some of us are going to have to make some serious decisions uh, in the 
immediacy of the future. Because in reality, the future is now. Today is the first day of the rest of your life. And today was tomorrow yesterday. Which means we can't just continue to kick the the can down the road and pretend that somehow we're serious about being fathers, we're serious about being godly fathers, but not quite yet. It doesn't work that way because time flies. Have you noticed that? Time flies. We get that phrase because it seems that time moves so fast. It just does. And by the, by the time you realize that your kids are grown or into their teens or whatever, you realize the opportunities that you lost because you refused to seize the moment, your prophetic moment from God's perspective. Refuse to seize it. Now, because today is the first day of the rest of our lives, that means we have what we do, we must do quickly, and we must begin, not tomorrow, but today. America's future begins today. Your family's future begins today. Your preparation for the coming of Christ begins today. Today. This is the reason why in the Bible it says over and over again, today, if you will hear my voice, harden not your heart. Today, if you will hear my voice, harden not your heart. Today. Now, dads, if you uh, want to consider this, just think, if you if you ask your children to do something, you're not expecting them to start tomorrow. You're expecting them to start now, right? Not manana, but now. And if they delay, then your concern is they didn't hear you. And if they did hear you, they're ignoring you. And this is Father God's consternation with us. He's given us instructions. He's given us an understanding and a vision for what we are to do as men, as fathers and grandfathers. But he is frustrated to the max because we're not getting about doing it. Now, if your children persisted in that, you would call them rebels, wouldn't you? So what do you think God would call us if we persist in refusing to obey his voice, refusing to do his will, refusing to embrace the the prophetic power of fatherhood in our own lives? Now, it's, it's interesting because fathers are they're either famous or infamous to one degree or another. A father's either a father or he's not. And as I said, a sperm donor may sow the seed for a child's life, but it, it's not affecting the child, not providing a legacy for the child. So there's no substitute for a genuine father, a father from God's viewpoint. And again, it may seem shocking, but the very future is at stake. The future of our families, our society, our churches, our nation, your future. The spiritual destiny, perhaps, of untold millions is at risk due to fatherlessness. And Father God really cares. 
That's why we're talking about this here today. And that's why God's warning through the prophet Malachi is the next to last warning that he brings to the earth before the second coming of Christ. The last warning comes in Revelation chapter 14, where he sends an angel saying, fear God, worship him that made heaven and earth. Glorify him and worship him that made heaven and earth. And then the end comes. So we're talking here not just about some little uh, fun and games fatherhood conversation about take me out to the ball game and Bobby some peanuts and Cracker Jacks and, and so on. No, there's nothing wrong with that, but that's not what God's looking for. If we think that's what God is looking for, we're missing the whole point. God is not looking for dads, fathers, grandfathers to consume all of their time with their children in sports. And there's nothing wrong with sports. But it becomes a subtle substitute for what God is really looking for. He's looking for men to invest themselves in their children for the things that matter for eternity. And whether your kid makes it for the uh, baseball team or the football team or whatever is relatively irrelevant. You're not going to get one kudo from God for that. So we need to understand and get these things in perspective. So, we need to re-embrace fatherly power. The effective power of a father is directly related to his perceived authority as a father in his own household. In other words, our vision. And that authority is gained or lost, and it, it, we gain or lose it in many ways. A lot of men try to, shall we say, usurp authority by demanding it. But that's not the kind of authority that God portrays in the Scripture. The authority that God portrays in the Scripture is the authority of obedience and a servant heart. Very seldom does a man gain fatherly authority in his own household by usurpation because he, he has the God-given position of authority. Yet he often loses the authority in his home sometimes by a wife's usurpation of his authority, either in whole or in part. This is one of the great struggles that the Bible portrays all the way back to Genesis chapter 3, that there would be a struggle between men and women, between fathers and mothers. Men, we are called to leadership. We are called to lead a, our families, our extended families, and yes, even the body of Christ, which is the ultimate extended family, we're told to lead by example. Now, the third and most powerful means of gaining authority is by delegation. And that's where authority is conferred upon the Father by one in greater authority. Ah, and that, my friend, is where you and I stand. For it is God as Father 
who confers upon you, upon me, upon men, his mantle of fatherly mission. So if we, if if men and grandfathers fail or refuse to embrace that mantle, we'll never fulfill God's true fatherly mission for us, and we will leave a lamentable legacy. So, we want to devote the rest of the program to uh, taking a look at uh, how to capture this vision and embrace it and walk in it. I want to urge you to uh, seriously consider getting a copy of my book, Hearts of the Fathers, Leaving a Legacy That Lasts. This is a $22 book, $23 book, actually, $23 hardbound book, and it's yours for $20 on our website, saveus.org, saveus.org. You can call us at 1-800-SAVE-USA, 1-800-SAVE-USA, or write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. You're writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. This is going to be for you, my friend, the beginning of the rest of your life. This book was written very differently than other books about fatherhood. This book was written to help dads and grandfathers grasp a vision for fatherhood from God's viewpoint. Not from the culture's viewpoint, but from God's viewpoint. And that's the one we want to fulfill, isn't it? Isn't that the one we want to meet? Because all the promises of God are based upon his viewpoint. Right? So the power of fatherhood, your fatherhood and mine, is rooted in essential characters, uh, characteristics of fatherhood in what it means from God's perspective to be a dad or a father. And if our perspective or expectations differ from or diminish God's perspective, then our power as fathers is going to be diminished and our hope for legacy is not going to be fulfilled. So the first thing I want to say or share with you before this uh, upcoming break at halftime, so to speak, is to be a father, you must first become a son. Now, that may sound strange, but let me kind of expound on that for a moment. We see it in the natural world, but our ultimate and enduring legacy is in the spiritual realm, isn't it? So, here's the question. Am I living as a true son of God? Are you living as a true son of God? I'm not talking about making some confession of faith. I'm talking about your life. I'm talking about the way we live. That's what God is concerned about. He's not concerned about confessions. He's concerned about whether we're walking with the Lord in the light of his word. Are you living as a true son of God? What would your children say? What would your wife say? What would your grandchildren say? 
What would those in your sphere of influence say? Pastors, what would those in your own family say? For if, if I'm to be and become a good and godly father, I must first be a good and godly son, both to my earthly father and to God as my heavenly father. And if either one of those relationships is defective, my own fathering is going to be impaired at best or hypocritical at worst. So I have to set my own fathering house and heart in order if I am to be perceived as having legitimate godly authority in my own home with my kids, my grandchildren, and yes, even my wife. So that sets the stage for the vision to be cast for the power of fatherhood. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, on the front page are two great videos. First, an interview and discussion of Chuck's book, Out of Egypt. Also, a great TV interview with Chuck regarding his book, Seduction of the Saints. Much more videos, a for pastors only section, and also you can view Chuck's weekly teachings. All at his website saveus.org. That's saveus.org. Also on Chuck's website, listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast. Listen to the archives. Maybe you missed a program. Check it out at saveus.org. Also, there are some great resources, hospitality information, also information about marriage, divorce, and remarriage, newsletters, articles, prophecy, Prayer and revival information, all at saveus.org. The absence of a father in a family can lead to serious consequences, even fatal outcomes. Now, that's true both in the physical and emotional and legal realm and also in the spiritual realm. Both and. Did you know that almost a quarter of all American children do not live in a home with their father? A quarter of all American children. That's amazing. And did you also know that divorce is the number one cause of fatherlessness? coupled with unwed childbirth. Those are the two primary causes of fatherlessness in a physical sense. So what's the primary cause of fatherlessness in a spiritual sense? Basically the same thing. Promiscuity. Unfaithfulness. Lack of keeping your vows. That's the number one cause. Those are the number one causes or the leading causes for spiritual fatherlessness. So fatherhood is the overall spirit and sphere of what it means to be truly a father from God's viewpoint. To the extent that these fatherhood characteristics that God demands of us, seeks from us, are individually or collectively ignored 
or spurned or minimized, then our legacy is going to be compromised at best or corrupted and perhaps catastrophic at its end. And I don't think I know of any man who actually desires a lamentable legacy. This is pretty important. To build a good and godly legacy that lasts for our kids. So, I'm going to share with you some principles here of the power of fatherhood to help us catch this vision. And then I would urge you to get a copy of my book, Hearts of the Fathers, Leaving a Legacy That Lasts. It's a $23 hardbound book, yours for $20 on our website, saveus.org, at saveus.org, or you can... uh, Give us a call or write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255, writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. So here we go. Are you ready? The first thing we have to understand is that God has ordained fatherhood for a purpose. It's not accidental. It's not uh, hum-ho. It's not case, sarah, sarah. Whatever will be, will be, is for a purpose. And that purpose is to fulfill his purpose for leadership, first with our wives and then with our immediate families, and then continuing then to extend the family and ultimately to a broader fathering influence in our surrounding society and especially within the broader Christian community. Now, Abraham was like that, remember? He wasn't perfect, but he pleased God and continually pressed toward the mark. And he is referred to by both Jew and Christian believers as the father of the faith. Why? Because he did what God told him to do, and he didn't wait around and pray about it. So God said, I'm going to make of you a great nation, and I will bless you, and you shall be a blessing. Wow. Can you find a grander purpose and blessing than that, my friend? What a legacy. And he said, in you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Can you begin to see what God saw? Not in a perfect man but in a man who was willing, who somehow was able to grasp God's purpose and intention for living as a man. So God said, I want you to get up, and I want you to leave your home, your father's house, and I want you to go to the place that I'm going to to show you. Abraham said, okay, and he got up and did it. At 75 years of age? Think about it. At that time, people were not living to thousands of years. They were living perhaps to 100, 100, 120 years. But at 75 years of age, God said, up. I'm going to change your destiny. I'm going to direct you. And by the way, you're going to have a son. You don't have one yet. And you're going to have a son. Abraham had to embrace what God said. Here's my question for you. Do 
Do you embrace what God has said? What God has said in his word, or do you equivocate with it? If God says, I want you to be a godly father and a godly husband, and I want you to wash uh, your wife with the water of the word, I want you to lead her uh, as Christ would lead the church, do you do that? Are you spending quality time with your wife in the word? Are you training your children in the nurture and ways of the Lord? Are you actually teaching them? the word of God, and displaying it in living color through your own life with consistency and with purpose. I'm not talking about taking them to church now. I'm talking about your life. That's what God is after. So we have to capture God's purpose. Next, we have to capture his perspective. In other words, how he's looking at things. That's his viewpoint. So fathers are ordained by God to bring God's fathering perspective to the earth. So should it be a mystery why fathers and fathering have been under such enormous increasing attack for the past three centuries? I don't think so. Because the enemy of your soul and mine, God's arch enemy, does not want the true nature of Father God to be displayed in the earth. So it's an all-out assault against fatherhood, all things masculine, undermined, and substituting the faith once delivered to the saints to be substituted with the lordship of feelings. In other words, to feminize the whole culture, to destroy that God's perspective for what it meant to be a man. So the divinely ordained male perspective has been mocked, emasculating the gospel, redefining God solely by a feminine mystique, and that's, friends, why that emoji that just came out showing a man as pregnant is the consummate assault to feminize the whole view of of mankind, that is, of men. Now, the next thing we need to understand is presence. And there's no substitute for fatherly presence. Without presence, our purpose wanes, our perspective is lost, and in reality, The Father's presence separates mere men from manly fathers who desire their existence to have a meaning. So the man that is never home, the man that always finds something else to do, that does not embrace his godly ordination for fatherhood, to teach his children, to raise them up, to be a godly example for them, to teach them the word of God, to talk of the word when they rise up, when they lie down, when they walk by the way, and so on, all through the life. That man is not fulfilling the required presence of a father in his children's lives. You know, there's so many songs that we sing, oh, the glory of your presence, we your people give you reverence, and so on. 
The psalmist said, in your presence is fullness of life. Moses said, unless your presence goes with me, I, I just can't do what you asked me to do. Well, men, that's what we need, the presence of the Lord. Don't give me some theological construct. Well, didn't God say he would never leave us nor forsake us? Are you walking with him in the light of his word daily? Are you? Are you seeking his kingdom first and his righteousness with a whole heart? Fathering, supposed fathering without what I would call withness and presence is foolishness and folly. Fathering without withness there has to be this sense of withness. Jesus chose 12 to be with him. His ministry was not a do-it-to-you ministry. It was a do-it-with-you ministry. The next thing we need to understand is the principle of fatherhood. That's the backbone of fatherhood. So when pragmatism rules over our lives as men. We're basically castrated spiritually. It makes us spiritual eunuchs. We can't bear children, spiritual children, let alone disciple them. And that's the sad state of many men and even much ministry today, unfortunately. But a principled man is powerful in his influence because he's a lover of truth. He's not swayed by the seductive dictates of the culture, not testing out which way the wind is blowing. He's not subject to the lordship of his feelings. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. So here's the question. Is your heart fixed, trusting in the Lord? I'm not talking about making a confession of faith. I'm talking about your heart daily trusting in the Lord the power of fatherhood that's what we're talking about have you ever considered what the early church was like many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians a recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration what is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by his spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. If fathers are the future of America, what is the future of America? If your fatherhood among your children or grandchildren defines the future of America, what vision do you have 
for the future of America. We're talking about the power of fatherhood here today on Viewpoint. We know that it used to be said that father knows best. Now it's said that father knows nothing. In fact, he is to be mocked uh, for his role as a just a bumbling idiot in our society. Well, part of the problem for that is that men have been acting like bumbling idiots because they've been, they have refused, they've abandoned the fear of the Lord, they've abandoned the fatherhood of God, and therefore they have abandoned the understanding uh, that God would have for men to carry into their families, into uh, their broader families, yes, even into their worshiping congregations. Now, the next thing that we need to understand about uh, this, the powerhood of fatherhood is protection. Fatherhood provides an umbrella of protection. It's a, it's a genuine protection that can be trusted in times of trouble as well as in good times. So here's my question. Are we in times of trouble right now? This, this protection that a true godly father brings is reliable security that engenders faith in his family, faith in his children, rather than exposing to ungodly fear. So, how do your children fare? Are they heavily gripped by fear? Do you even know? Do you spend enough time with them and explore their hearts and their minds to even know? But a father's protection is both practical and spiritual. And a, a true father sees beyond today so that those things, those under his wing, can rejoice in a godly tomorrow. While desiring happiness, he pursues holiness. For it is written, them that honor me, I will honor. So God's protection as a father is secured by our trust and obedience. In fact, it's written in the Bible, whoso puts his trust in the Lord shall be safe. Why? Because God is a father. A man whose children are disobedient is going to have a hard time protecting them. And one of the reasons his children are disobedient is because he is disobedient to his father. Mm. Okay, fathers are to provide as well. Provision at all levels is fundamental to fatherhood. In fact, purported protection without provision you could say, is perversion of God's purpose for fatherhood. So clearly linked is provision to divine purpose for fatherhood, the very self-described character of God, that he is a provider, Jehovah Jireh. He provides. That's why in the Bible it says, the man who doesn't provide for his own, especially to those of his own household, has denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. That's tough talk. Then, as dads, as fathers, as grandfathers, we have to be endued with passion, not just purpose, but passion by the Lord. 
And it takes passion to fulfill that purpose. And only godly passion born of godly purpose can fulfill the godly future of fatherhood and change the tide of our country. Can you see the bigger picture here? It's not about them out there. It's about you. It's about me. It's about our own households. And a lack of godly passion for fatherhood itself reveals a lack of godly purpose. So, absence of a profound sense of godly purpose prevents godly influence and perverts any hoped-for godly legacy that's going to last in our life. You see how this works? So a father without godly passion for fatherhood is nothing Listen to this, is nothing but a child in a man's body. Adolescent in mind, selfish in spirit, living in the myopia of his eternal self without vision or consciousness of divine destiny, either for himself or for his kids. Hmm. Maybe I should repeat that. A father without godly passion for fatherhood is nothing but a child in a man's body. He's adolescent in mind and selfish in spirit, living in the myopia of his eternal self, without vision or consciousness of divine destiny, either for himself or for his progeny. All right. Now, in order for us as men to carry out this God-designed destiny, we have to be persistent. We may have a desire, but we have to have decision. And then we have to be a doer of the word and not just a hearer. We don't want to be a pretender, so we need to be persistent. That's why we can say of God, his love never fails. Why? Because he's persistent as a father. You and I have to be persistent. In other words, you have to keep on keeping on. We have to forget those things that are behind and reaching forth to those things that are before. We press toward the fathery mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus in our fathering roles. In a sense, you and I, dads, grandfathers, you and I are partners with God. He's our father, and we're his uh, surrogate fathers to take care of the sons and daughters that he delegates to us, has trusted us to prepare their lives for God's ultimate eternal presence. Then, in order to be able to do these things, we have to have patience. Now, this is, in one sense, this is kind of an ugly word, because we know how difficult it is to be patient. We want it now, 
We don't want to have a long-term vision. We want to have what we want when we want it now. And if we can't get it quickly, then forget it. Aren't you glad, my friend, that God's patience is elastic? That's right. He knows our frame. He knows that we are but dust. Sorry to bring that to your remembrance, but that's what the Bible says. We're but dust. But impatience frustrates the enabling grace of God. It short-circuits God's long-suffering as our Father. So when we are not pressing forward persistently with vision and purpose and patience, then our children and grandchildren can never realize their potential in the Lord because we're not patient like God is. We have to persist patiently. Let patience have its perfect work. that we as fathers may be complete, lacking in nothing. Prayerfulness. Prayerfulness is the attitude of continual submission between fathers on earth and the Heavenly Father. So without continual prayer, a father is on his own. It's a pretty lonely place to be, and it's getting more and more lonely, isn't it? So we need a father who provides fatherly wisdom. And our Heavenly Father rejoices in our seeking Him and His wisdom if we do it with a whole heart. And as we pray, we want to make sure that we don't come to Him with unclean hands or an impure heart. For the Bible says that we're not going to be, we'll be disconnected from the favor and blessing of the Lord unless we come with clean hands and a pure heart. So we need to repent, we need to return and rejoice in the favor of our Father. Isn't that what you want your kids to do? Of course. Then, there has to be a promise. A father's purpose is translated into true fatherhood through the father's promise. And without promise, both towards sons and daughters and toward fathers, Purpose becomes little more than unfounded hope. And as you know, hope deferred makes the heart sick. It sucks the substance out of our relational fatherhood. So, a true father's greatest desire is the loving trust of his children. But where there's no trust, there's no trust with either express or implied promise. So, when either express or implied promise by a father is broken, then trust is fractured, godly influence wanes, and legacy looms as a painful liability. Promise. Are you a man of your word? You believe and trust God as a man of his word. He said, my word fails not. It shall accomplish that which I please and accomplish that which 
the things were to I said it. How about your word? Is it trustworthy? Do you make promises to your children and grandchildren that you don't fulfill? Don't even try to fulfill? Then how do you expect them to understand God as a faithful one who keeps his promises? Since you're his surrogate on the planet to represent him. You see how this works? I mean, you just can't escape these things if we're really honest in our hearts. And finally, power. Fatherhood by its very nature is derived from God's fatherhood and therefore has power. Now we know, we heard the phrase that power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely, right? So then how are we as earthly fathers to handle this kind of delegated power or authority without corrupting it into a kind of diabolical dictatorship. Would you like to know how? Well, it's just in simple submission, always with an attitude of surrender to the Father's will. Did you know that Jesus, the only begotten Son of the Father, full of grace and truth, was found in fashion as a man, and he humbled himself and became obedient. And because of this willingness to humble himself as a son, God highly exalted him. That's right. So if you and I want to be exalted on the earth in our families, we better exalt God by first humbling ourselves in obedience to his fatherhood. That's kind of where we are if we want to leave a legacy that will last for eternity. I hope this has been helpful, encouragement to you. Get a copy of my book, Hearts of the Fathers, Leaving a Legacy That Lasts. Uh, it will encourage you, recast a vision for you, line upon line, point upon point. The $23 hardbound book is for $20 on our website, saveus.org. Saveus.org. We're preparing the way of the Lord for history's final hour. Yes, even today, especially today. Thanks for joining us. Become a partner, friends. Send those gifts by faith to Save America Ministries. Go to our website, saveus.org, and make your generous gift that way. And let's keep the message coming until Jesus comes. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.